welcome to the 904 Together podcast. I'm Tom Patton. No one would dispute that it's a challenging time to be in business. And on this podcast, we're talking with a variety of business owners across the 904 area code about how they're facing the challenges of COVID-19 and how they plan to move forward. And my guest on this episode is Barry Adib. Barry is the owner of the Beach Diner with multiple locations around the region. And Barry, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome, Tom. Glad to be here with you. How many locations do you have now, Barry, and where are they? Tom, we have five. You know, we've opened five through the years. Our longest uh, running uh, diner is our Atlantic Beach location for 24 years. We've been 16 in Ponte Vedra, 12 in Mandarin, 7 in San Marco, although we had a fire there, unfortunately, November 2nd of this past year. So we're in the process of getting permitted and hopefully reopened in the next four months or so. And in Fernandina Beach, we've been six years. So we've got five locations, four operational right now. And I know you just recently finished a, a nice remodel of the Atlantic Beach location. <clears throat> and the, I was in there this morning, and it's, it's a really good-looking place now. Well, thanks, Tom. You know, last year, we took the time to renovate all of our stores. Interestingly, uh, don't ask me how it works, but the store that we saved last was San Marco, and right before our fire we were getting ready we already had our plans purchase what we needed to renovate the uh dining room at san marco but we've renovated all of our diners on the inside uh in the dining room over the past uh maybe 14 months and while we were closed with the virus we took the time because our restaurants are only closed on thanksgiving and christmas we actually renovated all the kitchens we repainted them, re-floor tiled them, re-grouted them, re-sealing tiled, painted them all, took all the kitchen equipment out, and then put Humpty Dumpty back together again during the two months we were short down. And then additionally, we purchased, and we've got two stores installed in the last two weeks. We're putting in cloud-based computer systems for online ordering and curbside uh, pickup. So, Barry, what was your initial reaction when the city and state ordered restaurants to close? Well, you know, I'm born and raised uh, in Jacksonville. We've been 70 years in Atlantic Beach with a business. We owned, of course, the Sea Turtle for 20-plus years before we added a 200-room hotel. And then when we sold it the second time in 1997, I opened shortly our Beach Diner. So through the years, occasionally, as you'll, you, we've been fortunate. We had, of course, the 64 Hurricane Dora. Right. But short of that hurricane, where we actually weren't out that long because we kept part of our restaurant open 50-plus years ago when Hurricane Dora came through. But through the last, uh, since 64, we've had three or four hurricane scares where we've been closed a day to maybe three or four days. And I can't tell you as a businessman in the restaurant industry how difficult being closed for a day or two or three is for a variety of reasons. So in closing, as we did, we were closed exactly eight weeks. I can't even begin to tell you what it does to your business, your staff, um, <clears throat> all the things that make a business go. You just comes to a screeching halt. And to, to get it going again, the inertia that it takes to get it up and running again, 
is a challenge um, that I can't even begin to describe for anyone that owns their own business and that has had to go through the last several weeks, as we all have, and trying to figure out how to retool, reinvent, get up and running to a point where you can make it work and make the numbers work. So it's been a challenge, I will tell you that. Now, I noticed as you were talking a few moments ago that you took some time during the period that you were closed to do a lot of renovations. So it doesn't sound like you offered the carryout option that a lot of restaurants did. Why did you choose not to offer that carryout option? That's a great question, Tom. Do we do carryout? Yes, but it's only about 8% of our business. And the fact that the number one takeout um, period of dining is primarily in the dinner hour, that 5 to 8, 39 o'clock. And because we didn't open for dinner, our hours are 6 a.m. to 2.30 all these years. I'm thinking to try to generate traffic in in, in a time span that you didn't serve for all these years customers in the evening hour, I just felt like it would be too much to overcome. And I thought at best we would trade dollars and I felt our time was better served renovating the kitchens and putting the computers that we've done. So judgment call, whether I made the right decision or not, I feel like I did. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't redo it. Um, It's nice to walk into basically a brand new kitchen when we reopened, but it was a tough call. That's a great question. Uh, If you go around town, you can see a lot of operators that chose my path and others went the other way. My brother owns Bono's Barbecue. Right. If I told you what they, the numbers that they did, if you were in the restaurant business, you know, they did as much business with no dining room because of their drive-through and their takeout business it was very interesting to see how they performed, but uh, tough call for all of us in the restaurant business as to what was the right path to follow. But it sounds like you were confident enough in your ability to come back that you were able to take money that you didn't have any cash flow, really, mm-hmm. but you're able to take money and go ahead and do those renovations that you wanted to do. Well, another great observation you just made. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time for uh, several weeks with watching all the different business avenues that as restaurateurs and business people we look at to gather and garner information as to what's going on and what to look forward to, what the expectations are. If you watch Fox Business um, in the mornings, you've got a real centric restaurant uh, peering into view of the those that uh, were watching on a regular basis as to what the restaurant industry uh, was looking at or facing. And for several weeks, it was a lot of gloom and doom. A lot of folks didn't think they would be back in business and up and running and all the things when you shut down and trying to figure it out. So in watching that through the, the early weeks of the virus, it was it was it could be a very discouraging perspective if you watched it on a regular basis, what others were saying. But, you know, I think we're fortunate, Tom, in that most of my stores are in beaches, communities that you would have to say are a little more affluent. And I think that added to the confidence of being in business all these years. I just felt like we knew our client base and where our revenues come from that we felt strong enough, not only that would we be back in business, that we could close and 
spend the time and effort and money in renovating the stores, but uh, it's worked out. We've been open now. Uh, this Friday will be three weeks we've been reopened, and we're within about 15% of our volume before we close down with 50% seating. Um, So at this juncture, I feel pretty good with the decision that we made. So how did you approach that reopening? What, what did you have to do to get ready to, to get back in business? You got a lot of good questions here, Tom. You know, um, all of our managers stayed in contact with what was as a group and a lot of group threads and emails and that sort of thing, trying to keep everyone abreast and with our staff that was furloughed of where we were. And then as we got closer to the uh, reopening, we spent a lot of time with group meetings and group threads and conversing with what we needed to do and that sort of thing. And we primarily focused on our staff, number one, and what it would take to get up and running with the new criteria. We all as managers went to a COVID training to get up to speed on the sanitizing and disinfecting and what would be required Mm -hmm. to do it right. Most of what we do in a restaurant today is what we should have been doing all along. And I think with most of us to hit a hundred percent pre-virus with what's needed in so many ways. In one way, Tom, an example would be when someone is sick in our industry The amount of time and effort that you put in today, post-virus reopening, no one comes to work sick. We have to and can come to work. We test them with the temperature and we don't want them in the building anyway. Anyone that's not feeling up to speed has the flu, the cough, whatever, not even a consideration. Now, prior to the virus, People would come in sick where they got a little sniff on the flu. You wouldn't put as much thought into it. But today, that is a big time no-no. When you look at your various locations, are you seeing the business pick up across the board, or are there some locations that are doing better than others? That is a great observation there, too. Our, excuse me, all of our beach locations have done very, very well. Our Mandarin store has done okay. Its volume is back to about 30% normal, where our beach stores are within 10, 12% of normal. And that's just two and a half weeks into it. And keep in mind, Tom, we only went to 50% seating right. a week ago yesterday. So, and of course, we had Memorial Weekend last weekend, but that's a good observation as well. I think the... Uh, Beach stores will continue to outperform in town until we have the opportunity where more people feel comfortable going out. For whatever reason, I didn't think the beach would take as long to come back as in town. And I think my restaurant friends that have in-town operations pretty much felt the same way. Aside from the 50% seating, those kinds of restrictions that have been imposed on you by the city and the state, have you put any other special operations in place or special procedures for your staff to follow? Oh, wow. Yes, big time. You know, we used to use um, regular cloth uh, towels for our bus people and our wait staff and that sort of thing in our dining rooms. We use exclusively uh, paper towels today. 
When and on our tables, we don't put out any condiments on the tables. The only thing on our table are sugar packets and salt and pepper shakers. When every customer gets up from a table and we bus a table and get it ready for the next customer, we take paper towels, put them on the table, put the disinfectant sanitizer in the middle of the towel, take another towel, and we, we the salt and pepper shakers are completely sanitized. We completely sanitize, sanitize all the chairs, the booths, everything in around that table gets sanitized completely. We have disinfectant and san- disinfectant. We have sanitizers in about six stations around the restaurant for our staff as well as the customers. There's so many things that go into it today where we try to take away all the different items that need sanitizing we're put off to the side in a special location on our counters. We don't see it at our counters anymore. So we put all our material where it's easy to get to and easy to function. And um, so far, I'll have to say, it's taken a lot more time and effort. There's a lot more time between seating of parties. But I think it's paid off time because people notice what you're doing. And that has a huge impact on those that will be coming back dining with you. When they see it being done the proper way versus not doing the way it probably should be done with the environment that we're in, it makes a huge difference with repeat customers. Now, I did notice that you're using your standard menus where a lot of other restaurants have gone to single-use menus. What was your thinking behind that? Well, the first week, 10 days, we went to the table with our laminated two-sided menu, and we took paper menus with us. We said, folks, we'll be glad to give you our regular menu or a paper menu. They both have the same items on them, the same pricing. 95% of the people wanted the laminated menu. Once they know that you sanitize between each menu usage, you sanitize and put it back to the uh, menu placement area, And most people, 95% wanted the regular menu. We did the same thing with rolled silverware, where we put knife, fork, and spoon in a three-ply napkin. We gave people the option of our rolled silverware versus we did a plastic, we have a plastic encased uh, uh, heavy-duty plasticware with knife, spoon, fork, salt, pepper, napkin. Again, 95% wanted the rolled. And uh, people still have both of those options. But if for whatever reasons, most folks tend to uh, go with what we've done through the years and didn't opt for the other options. Now, I know you also have a catering side to your business. What has the COVID-19 situation done to your catering business? Wow. Gosh, I tell you, that has decimated the catering business all over this country. You know, in the number one peak season, particularly for weddings and wedding receptions and that sort of thing is in the spring. And and I'm sure, Tom, you as anyone that may be listening to the podcast knows someone that was either going to or planning a wedding or having a wedding or was a guest at a wedding that was canceled. The economic damage in that area has been devastating to so many businesses. And I also know, Barry, that you've always been very politically active. Um, I can't tell you the number of of campaign events I've attended at the Atlantic Beach location. Are you looking at 
hopefully being able to get back into having those kinds of events uh, before this campaign cycle is over? You know, Tom, I tell you, that that can be a, a, a subject matter that takes a lot of uh, discernment. You know, I'm, I've am i got a, a business that depends on 100% of <clears throat> the pie of human beings in America. And, you know, in today's world, it's not what it was when I grew up. Whether you were one party affiliation or the other, it didn't seem to affect your business. But today, that has a huge impact on the way a lot of people think. And I think most people that know me know that regardless if they agree or disagree with my political uh, background and my foundation, uh, would still, for the most part, try to support this. So I try to um, do what I believe in politically and support those that I think are good for America. And that's really uh, where I will continue to be. And I could continue to support those thoughts and and policies and people that I think that will continue to make America the best country in the world to live in. What are you hearing from your customers and your employees as your business has started to return to something resembling normal? Well, our employees, interestingly, um, You know, we lost our San Marcos store with the fire in November, but we have 80 employees and we had two staff members that um, are pregnant and they chose not to come back to work until delivery. But we had every employee, 80 employees, 78 of them returned to work. So obviously that was a plus for our employees. Most of us were um, in a position, I think, that we had to get out and and wanted to come back to work when the opportunity presented itself. So from that perspective, it was fantastic for ownership, management, and for our staff to get back to work. And they have done a fantastic job in, in adhering to what the, the, the newer and better guidelines are for what's required. So that's been a huge plus for my customers. You know, I, this is an addictive business. Right. It's so people people related in so many ways. And we, we all like to be part of something, part of the family. And, uh, you know, those that dine with us regularly, uh, they're part of our family. And I think in some ways we're part of theirs. So that's been a home run as well. Did you participate in the Paycheck Protection Program that was offered to help keep your employees at least somewhat solvent as you were not able to be open? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my business are all uh, it's singularly incorporated. So, and, and there are other restaurateur friends of mine that own several restaurants like we do, and they're incorporated under one incorporation. So they would apply for one PPP for say 12 restaurants. Ours are all individually incorporated, so we didn't know if we'd get approved for one or two or whatever, but we got approved at different times over the last eight weeks on an individual basis because each incorporated um, application went to different parts of the banking system. But we did apply, we did receive one, and we're grateful for that. 
what was your experience like? Because I've heard different things from different people about their experiences with that PPP program. Did you have a, a generally positive experience with that or was it challenging? Oh boy. Well, we, we everyone applied. Uh, if you applied on the first day of the PPP application, that was on Friday, April 3rd. And on Wednesday, they Wednesday evening, they changed the, the application process slightly. So we had to adapt on Thursday. And then Thursday afternoon, they changed it again. So by the time Friday rolled around, you're on your third go-round of the tweaking that the federal government uh, uh, put in place for the application form. So we were all scrambling around again on Friday morning. So by about 1030, we all had the, that were ready. We all applied at the same time. I didn't hear back and get approved on my first one for about five weeks. Wow. But even before the process, before, before the application went in, there's 27 to 30 million uh, uh, small businesses in America. And the, the the amount of money that was allocated in the first go round was about three hundred forty nine billion. Second go round was three hundred ten billion, which interestingly still hasn't been used up yet, which I can't explain that. But the average loan was about one hundred sixty thousand dollars. So about the two tranches of funds, three million small businesses would get the PPP money. I didn't think that was fair. I think they should have put everybody that wanted to get it in a hat. Let's say it was 10 million of us. And you do a lottery system. Why should I get it and someone else not get it? We all need it, right? Right. I didn't think the way they 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 protocoled that was the fairest way, but we all applied in a timely fashion on your own time schedule, whether it was day one or day 28. But as I sit here today, they still have funding available still in the second tranche, which stuns me, but uh, I'm sure they're about to run out of it. But the process was more dependent on the bank that you went to, whether it was small or large, whether 30,000 of their customers applied or 800,000 applied, which was the case with some banks, some of the big banks. So you can imagine how difficult that would have been for a bank to receive that many. And the interest rate is 1%. So a lot of banks didn't even really want to do it because they didn't feel like there was enough fudge factor there to make any money. But and when it was all said and done, I think everyone that wanted a PPP loan, based on the fact they still have money available in the second tranche, basically got it. So I guess at the end of the day, it all worked out. Barry, what long-term effects are you anticipating, if any, as you look forward into returning to what may be a new normal? Wow. Well, you know, when is the day that we're a hundred percent? When is that day? I don't know that ever is. Yeah. uh, When is it six foot social distancing go away? You know, these are things that inhibit any venue to maximize their, 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 their amount of attendance within the confines of their venue. When does all that happen? I don't think anyone has the answer to that. But, you know, again, at the end of the day with me, I'm a faith guy, I like to think, as opposed to a fear guy. 
business people by nature are more entrepreneurial and risk takers. So I know that we have to do the things we're doing and, and we will continue to do that. But at one point, does it end? What point as you go forward, do you feel like you can see going back to a full slated amount of attendance within the confines of your business that you were built for and that your economic model was patterned after. You know, these are the things that keep people like um, anyone that owns their own business up at night because you predicate everything, your rents and your, 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 your mortgage payments and all those things based on a full 100% occupancy. So there's a great unknown. I don't care who you are how well you think you've done the first two weeks or how poorly you've done. There's a great unknown that for all of us keeps you up at night wondering when, when does the shoe, when does the other shoe fall or when do we get when we have both shoes on and we're back to what, what we, we, we built our business on the assumption of certain parameters of revenue. And those questions are only to be answered as we go forward. There's no way to know that right now. That is for sure. Amen on that. Well, Barry, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, good luck as you go forward and getting that, uh, that one store back up and operating and everything back to where you want to be. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, drop me an email. I'm tcpatton813 at gmail.com. This podcast is supported in part by listeners like you. Visit the homepage on Anchor FM and learn how you can support the program. We'll be posting new podcasts each Monday and Thursday, so I hope you'll join us again next time. You can also get previous podcasts at the Anchor FM homepage on Spotify and several other popular podcast platforms. For now, and especially now, remember to find the opportunity in every challenge. I'm Tom Patton.